Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church. So uh, I felt like the Lord was encouraging me to encourage our church to build their faith. And I did a series called um, Mighty Man, or Miracle Man, rather. And uh, today I want to take the inaugural message of Miracle Man and begin to um, talk to you about that. Now, we have had a, a wonderful sense of the presence of the Lord here. We want to continue to sense his presence. But we live by faith. We do not walk by sight. We walk by faith. In fact, the Bible says, and it's incredible to me that there's such strong language here, without faith it is impossible to please God. It's not like without faith, you know, you probably aren't pleasing God. Or it's, it's just absolutely impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. Well, of course, we all say we believe in God. We believe that he exists. But he also rewards those who diligently seek who? Him. It's interesting he doesn't say he rewards those who pray. He rewards those who have faith. No, he rewards those who seek him. And seeking him is a part of the faith process. Seeking him. This is not some sort of ethereal type of kind of, oh, well, I think, I'll, um, I think I'll just believe in something. Somebody says you can believe in a doorknob if you wish, or you can believe in any. No, listen, friends. You are seeking him. You're placing faith in him. Very, very key. And uh, he is the one, and I mentioned it earlier, that we have a Christocentric faith. That is to say that Jesus is the center of our faith. Now, here's what's interesting, is that God is honored by faith, and God honors the faith of his people. So God is honored when we place faith in him, but on the other side of that, God comes along, and what does he do? He honors those who have faith. So we honor him when we place faith in him, and he honors us when we place faith in him. He moves in response to faith. He's put off by the lack of faith of the people around him in him. It's not just the lack of faith. It's the lack of faith in him as a person. We like to say God can do anything, and yet the Scripture point out that there are some things that God cannot do. He cannot move. One of the things he can't do is he can't tell a lie. He, he cannot stop loving us. Those are some things that God cannot do. But one of the things that he could not do, you read it in Matthew chapter 13, verse 57, he says, and they took offense at him, but Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor in his own town, and he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. Interesting, the Lord of glory could not do many miracles because people did not have faith in him. Now, this is interesting because it indicates something. It indicates that there's a partnership between God and you. Whatever the challenges in your life, whatever the difficulties you're facing, whatever the circumstances that are around, whatever the things that face our nation, whatever, whatever the causes of, of concern that come to your mind and your spirit, I want you to know that if anything happens, it'll be because there's a partnership between the sovereign of the universe and you to see those things changed in Jesus' name. He chooses to partner with you. One of my friends said that, 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 he, that he was candidating as a, uh, for a church. And, uh, and he went there to candidate and he, he did all the interviews and finally came and preached for the congregation and he did the question and answer period. And finally, at the end of all of that, at the end of all of that, what did they do? They voted him 
as to be their pastor. They, they agreed that he was the one that should be their pastor. They agreed that Holy Spirit was sending him. He said, as soon as they voted me in, my respect for them dropped like a stone. He said, just went down, just, just, just precipitously dropped. He said, because any church that would vote me in for their pastor, I don't respect. You know, it's interesting to me that sometimes we kind of get the idea that God does things on his own. But you know what? God yokes up with us, and he joins us, and he joins our faith with his abilities. And without our faith, he is limited in his abilities. So sometimes we're saying, why, God, why don't you do something? And some of us, and God's saying, why don't you do something? Why don't you place faith in me? Why don't you believe me? You see, the greatest compliment that one can give God is what? To have faith in him. You want to pay God a compliment? Say, God, I believe you. I believe you. How many like to be not believed? You know, your spouse sometimes doesn't believe you. My wife will sometimes say, I don't believe what you're saying. You're telling, you know, I don't understand why she does that because I always am a straight shooter. You know that. And, 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 and so she'll say, I don't believe what you're saying, and that's not true. And you're, I can see that look in your, I can tell when you're lying. The greatest insult that one can give God is to say, God, I don't believe you. So here's the thing. Biblically, doubt and fear are the opposite of faith. Mark chapter 4 says this, he got up and he rebuked the wind and the waves and he said, quiet, be still. The wind died down and was completely calm. He said to the disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? It's interesting. Here's what the scriptures, here's what we say about fear. You've heard this before. Fear is faith that something bad is going to happen. Now, friends, that's just kind of a unique way of looking at it. Fear is saying, I think something bad is going to take place. Now, there's some fear that's good and some fear that's been given to us. But there's other fears that we, we inherit because of our sin nature. There's other fears that we inherit through our parents or through circumstances that we've been in in life. The second thing about fear is that fear is false evidence appearing real. With the highlight there under, with the, with the, uh, under the first letter of each word. False evidence appearing real. That's fear. Now, friends, I know what it's like to be afraid. I'm not, only, I'm not only the current president. I am the founder of the local coward society. I know what it's like to be afraid. I, I, I was in Columbia, South America a few, a few months ago, and I was there to speak at a conference, and I got there in my room around 10 o'clock in the evening, and I couldn't sleep for a long time. I got to sleep around 2 o'clock, and about 7.30 I, I woke up, and, and I, I, I was, you know, thinking I had, I, I don't know what woke me up, but I tell you, once I stood up, I realized what woke me up. The whole 11th floor was just going crazy. I, we were in the middle of an earthquake. And I said, oh, Jesus. And I felt afraid. I don't know, there's just something about earthquakes that does that to me. And then a couple of days later, I was actually speaking, and there was an aftershock, but we were on the first floor. I didn't feel it, but the audience felt it, and they all started to get up and move and talk to each other. And I'm going, like, what, did I say something wrong, you know? Did I forget how they did communion? I mean, what did I do? I mean, you know, so what, what's going on here? I know what it's like to be afraid. You see, we express confidence with faith that he will intervene for us in our darkest hours. 
causing his supernatural to invade our natural. Here's what we say sometimes. We see it, we say it, and we seize it. Jesus is going to help me. Remember when, many years ago now, my wife and I went to see this man <clears throat> who's our, <clears throat> kind of our leader, and we were having some struggles, and, um, and we were just trying to figure out what to do and how we're going to get through this, and he really did not have anything positive. To, I mean, he didn't have any solution for our problems. Don't you just hate that? I, I want to go to somebody and just going to tell me everything I need to do and just give me point, point A, point B, point C. He didn't have any solution. All he kept saying to us, which seemed kind of trite at the time, he said, God is going to help you. God is going to help you. He just kept telling us, God is going to help you. I said, Bubba, you know, just tell me what God's going to do. What, how is he going to help me? And he didn't. He just kept saying, God is going to help you. So we just went away saying, God is going to help us. And you know what happened? God began to help us. God began to help us. God began to, turn, to, to intervene in our situation. And you know what I'm here to tell you today is sometimes we just need to see it. We need to see God helping us. We need to see ourselves climbing out of that situation. Then we need to seize it as a picture. You know how you take a screenshot on your, on your phone, you send it to somebody. We need to take a screenshot of that thing that, we, that we're believing for and hold that before ourselves. And we need to say, by the grace of God, we see it. We see, say it, and we seize it. We say it. Listen, God's going to help us. And then we seize it. We take it. But the question is, who are you looking at? And, and, and so that's kind of the title, but you can't say that. You can't end a sentence with a preposition. And so at whom are you looking? We have fun in our office because uh, we have to do a lot of writing in our office sometimes. And we, we try to not end sentences with prepositions. And there's this Old Testament story of Elijah. And I'm going to say Elijah as opposed to Elisha, who, about whom we'll also speak. It's important because I'll get them mixed up, and so I have to really pronounce them. 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse number 1, and it's here that we're going, to we're going to read together. Are you ready to read together? Are you going to lift up your voice with me? Isn't that good news? Let's do it together. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel together. That was a test for Elisha. Are you going to leave the old man now that he's at the end of his life? And everybody knew he was at the end of his life and it was revealed to them he was at the end of the life. Hey, are you going to leave? And, and so Elisha says, no way. I'm not leaving you. I'm keeping my eye on you. Let's move to Verses 7 and 8. Let's read it together. Fifty men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance, facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took off his cloak, rolled it up, struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. Ha, huh, that sounds like a story we might have heard somewhere before walking across on dry ground? Wasn't there a story about the Red Sea about quite a bit earlier than that? Wasn't there another story about the Jordan some other time earlier than that? And here they are, and this becomes, of course, to the readers of this story, this becomes a hyperlink in their mind, and it reminds them of some other time in which God was in the business of dividing up waters that were coming against us. 
Over the next cup, over the next several verses, the scene plays out repeatedly as they go to various places, Bethel, Jericho, the Jordan, and these scenes are together with the scenes of other lesser-known prophets saying to Elisha that he was about to lose your, his mentor. Hey, you're about to lose this guy. He's going to die. Here's what I know, that religious people will, were, were doubting that Elisha would carry on what Elijah began. And there will be people who will stand beside you and they will doubt and they will speak doubt into your mind. They could be your spouse. They could be uh, well-meaning friends. They could be family members. I remember before we moved to the United States and I went to see uh, my, my, our family's pastor. I, I was pastoring in, in Nova Scotia at the time, but, but I went to see my family's pastor. And, 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 and as I began to talk to him about our plans and what we were going to do, he, he looked at me and said, Peter, you've got to get real. He said, you know what? I'm, I'm just telling you, man, you've got to get real. You can't live on faith. Well, I said, brother, you know. We've been living on love. He said, you've got to get real. This isn't, you know, this isn't just going to happen because you think it's going to happen. The religious people were standing beside me saying, it's not going to take place. At some point, it takes some courage sometimes to say, I'm not going to keep my eyes off the one who is the source. And in this case, Elijah was the source for Elisha. And so here's what we have. We have this great miracle, and we had some great miracles, that, that the miracle of the dividing of the waters, and we had some great miracles that led us to believe, yes, you are going in the right direction. America needs you. Move to the south. Okay, not the America needs you part. But this whole portion of Scripture is pregnant with Bible events where waters are divided leading to new eras and new opportunities. The Red Sea is parted, leading to the people of Israel being released to the Promised Land. The Jordan River is stopped up so God's people could inherit the land that God was giving them. And this was a new prophetic era, and now the new prophetic era was being inaugurated by what? By the dividing of these waters before Elijah and Elisha. Now, in the Old Testament, it's important to understand that water was, was, was a woebegone kind of a mysterious deal. You see it in the Psalms all the time. You talk about, uh, you see it in the prophets. They talk about Leviathan. Where does he come from? He comes up from the water. Water was mysterious. Water was a place of danger. It was something to be overcome. And so anytime you see water being overcome in the Scripture, you realize that, that it has more meaning than just, you know, you and I thinking about water. Water was a mysterious thing. Interestingly enough, it was a pivotal time in Hebrew history. God causes these waters to be stopped. Waters that threaten their progress, they're now stopped. It's the historical culture, and just moving on to the historical cultural considerations. It's interesting here that the elder is more revered than the younger. Now, in our culture, we tend to revere youth, don't we? When you get to be older, well, what does that person know? They're old. That old geezer, he's, he, you know. And my, my, I don't know, maybe, maybe your children are much nicer than, than mine, but my, my children, you know, mock me and make, make fun of me, and I've never done that to them. <laughs> I just refuse. I'm just not that type of person. I don't think it's God's will. But they'll make, they'll make fun of my, my lack of technical skills. And I want to go on record as saying today that I did the slides for this 
presentation today. Of course, if something goes wrong, I'll say it's the text fault back there. But it's the, it's the elder who's more revered than the younger. And secondly, the passing on of a heritage is as important is an important part of the aspect of the culture. So the rites of passage mattered, and it had a long-term effect. Moreover, to avoid the rites of passage was to miss the benefits of the rites of the passage. And so this was a rite of passage, this idea of moving from Elijah to Elisha, the idea of breaking up the water, of seeing that miracle that was leading to a new era. It was all happening before their eyes, and these were rites of passage. But let's move on. Go to 2 Kings again, and we see this. When they crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I'm taken from you? And what does he say? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. Elisha replied, You have asked me for a difficult thing. Now, was it difficult for God to do this? Was it difficult for Elijah to do this? I would submit to you that the difficult thing was going to be for Elisha to contain it. And so he says, you've asked for a difficult thing. Elijah said, yet if you see me, notice, now that's not underlined and bold and all that in the scripture. I added that, okay? But I'm adding it for emphasis, okay? You got to put the emphasis on the right syllable. Yet if you see me when I'm taken from you, it will be yours, otherwise it will not. And as they were walking along and talking together, Suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Interestingly enough, that wouldn't it be interesting to see? Wouldn't it be interesting to see chariots of fire, horses of fire appearing? Wouldn't that be kind of capture your attention? So much so that you actually miss something else? See how easy it is to miss the real thing because we're seeing something peripheral? how much discipline it takes to focus, to see that which is really, I mean, let's, let's just talk about this for a second. How much, how much focus we lose. Look at it, look at that when, 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 when you see people go, I mean, it's, you're at restaurants and you see people in the, and, and, and I'm one of those people and we have our phones out and we're, we're all sitting there around and, and we're all got phones and nobody's focusing on each other and we're missing the joy of being with real people. That's why you need to have times at home where the phone is set aside, where your children need to set aside their phone and actually kind of figure out what mom and dad look like. Maybe you could send them a picture of yourself so they can catch a glimpse of you on their phone. It's amazing the trinkets that take us away from the real thing. And that's what was happening here. The emphasis is not upon the signs and the wonders, the chariots of fire and the horses of fire. The emphasis was upon the departed person, Elijah himself, going into the heavenlies, not being confused with some sign or wonder. Elisha, the scripture says, cried out, my father, my father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Notice he saw him no more. His focus was on Elijah. Now, what's also interesting here is he says, my father, my father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. It is those words that were spoken over Elisha by King Jehoash 
when Elisha was dying many years later. Elisha was the father figure, but later it was those very words that were applied to Elisha. Elisha, in 2 Kings chapter 13, now Elisha had been suffering from the illness from which he died. Jehoash, the king of Israel, went down to see him and wept over him and said, my father, my father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. The very things that were spoken over Elijah as he left were spoken over Elisha as he was leaving. And people were paying tribute to a person. But here's what we know. We know that the Spirit of God was calling Elisha to notice the man, not the miracles. Again, the focus was upon Elijah leaving, not on the signs and wonders. Now, Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak and, that had fallen. I think it's on the next screen. Maybe it's going to be there. Maybe it's not. Maybe I don't have that. And from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Oh, here it is. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah, and he struck the water of, with it. Now, interestingly enough, they had just had this experience, right? Elijah and Elisha, he has the experience. He, they divide up the waters. And this, again, is a, is a reminder of things that have happened in Hebrew history. And they're reminded again that he's still powerful and still working today, and they're going into a brand new era, et cetera, et cetera. The new era, of course, when Moses did it, was to get the people out of the promised land in, or people out of bondage into the promised land. The, the, the new era took place later on when, they, when, the, when the people divided up the Jordan River and they get over into the, the land they were supposed to possess. Now we have it, a new era from Elijah to Elisha, and the waters part can and what happens it happens and Elijah now goes off the scene Elisha comes on the scene and Elisha says hey I got to see if this thing is real and what does he do he says he took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water from it but struck the water with it but what does he say where now is the Lord God of Elijah and when he struck the water it divided to the right and to the left now, this is interesting. So now we have a second instance in a very short period of time where the water is divided. Now, here's the point here, folks, and understand this, please. Notice that what he said. He said, where now is the Lord God, the God of Elisha? He didn't say, where now are the miracles? Where now are the signs and wonders? Where now are the, uh, are the, are the things we want to see, the, the things that make us all excited, the things that make us excited? He wasn't saying that. He was focused on not on the miracle, but on the God of the miracle. That is so key that we understand that he is the one upon whom we focus. It's not on what he does for us, but who he is as God himself. So the, the first thing we understand about being a miracle person is we are focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. We are focused on God himself. This story is not unlike Jesus and his church. Now it's interesting that Elijah was a type, and they use this term type, which means sort of like a forerunner or, or someone who would uh, kind of look like someone who is yet to come. They, often, they believe in, 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 in Hebrew history that Elijah would be like the, the Messiah who was coming. Well, who was the Messiah that was coming? It was Jesus. Elijah would be like that one, and he had this anointing on his life, and Jesus had an anointing on his life. What's the anointing in, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, and he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Right? That's the anointing that was on Jesus' life. Elijah had an anointing on his life. Elisha comes along, and he asks for what? He asks for a double anointing, doesn't he? 
and that double anointing comes into his life and he sees it immediately with the dividing of the waters. But it's more important than just the dividing of the waters. It, it's, it's his soul cry that he not only see miracles, but he see God himself. Well, there's two points I want to make. Number one, we are to focus on Jesus, not just on the road to and the results of Jesus. We are to focus on Jesus, not just on the road. How can I get to Jesus? Well, why don't you pray, brother? Why don't you place faith in him, sister? Why don't you, why don't you try to, to use certain spiritual ways in which to get to Jesus? And after a while, we start to focus on prayer and we start to focus on faith. Now, let me say my, my kind of uh, heretical statements that some people really get uptight about. One of, one of the statements I, I will frequently say, and, and Pastor Jim says it, is when we say God is in control. I, I'm here to tell you that God is not always in control. He is sovereign but not in control. He gives me uh, rights to do things that, 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 that I, I can choose to do some bad things, and that's not God's will. The second thing I would say that, that, that kind of impacts what we're talking about today is number one, is that prayer does not change anything. People go, oh, prayer changes things. My friends, prayer doesn't change anything. Jesus changes things when we pray. The focus is always, you know, if the devil can get us off, you know, listen, take a bunch of kids to Disney World and bring them all home and then ask them how they did. And they'll say, what will they talk about? They'll talk about Mickey Mouse and they'll talk about the rides and the, and, 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 and the roller coasters and the, and the food and they'll talk about the animals and they'll talk about all kinds of stuff. You'll never ever hear them talk about the I-4 going through Orlando. The I-4 just isn't exciting, but I'm telling you, friends, if you don't get on the I-4, you'll never get to Disney World. Or Disney, which is it? Disney World, I think, isn't, whichever. You know the one in Florida, as opposed to the one in Anaheim. Listen, friends, let's not worship prayer. Let's not worship faith. Those are only avenues. Those are only roadways. Those are only pathways to get us to the real thing. And the real thing is Jesus himself. So even in our seeking of miracles, let's not seek miracles at the expense of seeking Jesus Christ himself. And here's what the scripture says, and he was taken up before them. Listen to what it says in Acts chapter 1, verses 9 to 11. And he was taken up before their very eyes. A cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently into the skies as they were going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood men of Galilee. Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who's been taken away from you into heaven will come again someday as you've seen him go into heaven. Isn't there kind of a relationship here with Elijah going and them watching? Or Elisha watching? Now you've got the 12 who represent the church of Jesus Christ for all time. Now you've got the 12 standing there watching Jesus go into heaven. Don't miss Jesus. Secondly, here we have John, the gospel of John. And John chapter 3 says this, verse number 34. For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God. For God gives the Spirit without limit. The Father loves the Son and has placed everything in his hands. 
What you and I need to begin to believe is that we have a limitless portion of the presence and the power of God in our life. This is not something I have to run for, have to chase after, have to somehow manipulate. Something I, listen, I chase after Jesus, and as I chase after Jesus, I get more of Jesus in my life, and as Jesus becomes the focus, and so on. I've got a problem at work. I've got a problem at home. I've got a problem with my finance. I've got a problem in my body. I've got a problem in my mind. I've got a problem with all kinds of things. What do I focus on? Do I focus on all those things? No, I focus on King Jesus, that he is the sovereign of the universe. I won't get distracted even by the good things that happen and praise the good things. No, I'll say, Jesus, you are wonderful. (laughs) I feel sometimes like, uh, what's his name? Uh, Charlie Brown, you know, when Lucy's holding the football. And he has this faith that always something good's going to happen and he comes running up to it and he kicks it. But of course she pulls the football away. How many feel like that sometimes? I had an experience this week. It was just amazing. Um, as, as some of you know, I'm, I'm still in school, and so I'm going in my fourth year and, um, uh, uh, of this program that I'm in, and, and the standards are, 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 well, they can't be too high. I'm in the program, but I, I feel they're high. And, um, and, and, and so you can't make below, uh, you can't make, if you get into, if you make a B plus, they could, you're on probation and you could be out. Many people have thought I should be on probation anyway. And, and so I always, I, you know, you have to buy your ticket because I go to the intensives out in California and you know, I try to get my tickets ahead of time and all that. But, but I'm not going to go buy my tickets unless I know that I've done all right this year because I don't want to, you know, I just don't want to be on probation. I was telling my wife that the other, about a year ago. I don't want to be on probation. I was walking, we were walking on the street uh, uh, where we live and we were just walking along and I was talking and she was talking. And I was saying, so I want to wait till I get my marks back. I don't want to be on probation. And one of our neighbors listening going, okay, he doesn't want to be on probation. All right, I can just imagine whether, oh, yeah, I wonder what he's on probation for. Okay. And so, so this week, um, uh, there was two major, two major papers. When I say major papers, we're talking about 50, 60, you know, pages each. Uh, maybe not that, 40, 50 pages each. And uh, then there's your coursework besides that. And so I was doing all right in the coursework, but your major papers are worth 90% of your mark. And so my first major paper that I got back, I made an A-. minus. Okay, great. A minus, by the way, there's no A pluses. That's a, you made 95%. That you, that's an A minus. So this week, I get my, my final major paper back, which kind of was going to be my indication. I'm, you're going to go for your fourth module. You're going to spend all that money and all that. And, and I get my paper back, and it's an A. <laughs> I mean, there's a God in heaven, right? There's a God in heaven. There's a, there's a God of miracles. And an A is between 95 and 100. So I thought, well, maybe I made like 96. No, 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 I made 100. I made 100 on this, on this 46-page paper. And it was, anyway, who cares what the, so, so then two days later, I get the little, I've never seen this before. It says, um, on, on an email, it says, indication of a changed grade. I've never seen that before. And so I click on it, I go to it. My A paper now is an A minus paper, and I went from 100 to 95. 
So I sent a note to the professor and I said, Dear Lucy, I mean, he pulled the bio. Oh, the, the part of the story is this is I called my wife and I'm going like, hey, this is pretty good. You know, hey, I, I you know, because, you know, every time you kind of go, okay, good. Okay, you know, I made the, you know, whatever. Can I just tell you that at some point we've got to believe that even when things don't seem to always go our way or if there's some Lucy in your life or some Lucy experience that goes on in your life where you're always wondering, am I going to make it? I think we need to respond to that and say by the grace of God, God gives the spirit without limit. I have a limitless portion of the spirit of God in my life. It's limitless. And yes, sometimes the ball is pulled out just as we go to kick it. And we're feeling really, really good about the situation. And they seem, to come, they seem to deflate like a souffle. But I have a limitless portion of the Spirit of God in my life. The Jews, they venerated the temple. The great wonder of the world at the time. A source of great pride for Israel and the Jewish people. But the temple was just to be a reminder that God had a place among them. It was not to be the focus. And what did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 12? I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. They venerated people. They venerated the prophets. He says in Matthew 12, he says, men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment of this generation and condemn it, for they repented of the preaching of Jonah. And now something greater than Jonah is here. They worship the prophets, but Jesus is saying, I'm greater than the prophets. The queen of Sheba will rise in judgment at the generation and condemn it. And she came to, from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom. And he says, now somebody greater than Solomon is here. In a hierarchical society, everyone wants to know where their place is on the totem pole. In John 4, they asked Jesus if he was greater than Jacob. In John 8, they asked him if he was greater than Abraham. Jesus was and is greater than all these human luminaries. And he is here with us. And he's here by his spirit. And he gives us his spirit without measure. You can have more of Jesus in your life. I want more of Jesus. The little ditties we used to sing. More and more and more, I want more of Jesus than I've ever had before. I want more of his great love, so rich and full and free. I want more of Jesus, so I'll give him more of me. I'm not available next week, brother, okay? Here's what I want to say to you. It's important to understand, from John's perspective, John's pneumatology, John's teaching of the Holy Spirit, Here's what we know about John. John was all about the ubiquity of the Spirit, the prevalence of the Spirit, the, 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 the way in which the Spirit of God permeates everything. He says, if I don't go, I can't, I can't send him. But if I send him, you'll be so much better off. And he'll be with you always. When you don't know what to say, he will speak through you. And, and, and he, will give, he will give you words to speak. And he will speak through you. So, so John's pneumatology is one that the Spirit permeates everything. 
the, the pneumatology or the, the, the teaching of the Spirit of God from Luke is what? Is that he comes and with power and empowers us to speak. That's, that's the charismatic theology of Luke. But, but then Paul's theology of the Spirit is how do we administrate the Spirit? But John's theology is that the Spirit of God comes and he permeates everything. He soaks everything. Everything gets weighted down. I love this word, the Old Testament word, kabod, the, 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 the weightiness, the glory of God. The Spirit of God weights us down with his presence. And what Jesus comes along to say is, hey, if you want miracles, that's great. But understand this, that when I go, when Jesus goes, if our focus is on him, what happens? He comes with an anointing to touch our lives. And the signs and the wonders, they become byproducts. And yes, we are the miracle men, and we are the miracle women of the, of, of, of the New Testament era. The emphasis is not on the signs and the wonders. Listen to what J John chapter 14 says. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. At least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing and they will do even greater things. Amazing to me that the scripture says here that we're going to do greater things than Jesus did. How is that possible? Because we're, we're immersed in a limitless power of the Spirit of God. Because I'm going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name so the Father may be glorified. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Now, friends, is that God or is that not God? Is that truth or is that not true? Is that really the Bible or is that not the Bible? Then if it's the Bible, let's begin to believe it. And if it's Jesus, let's begin to focus on him. And if he says he's going to give us a limitless presence of power of God in our life, let's say, Lord, I receive that limitless presence and power. So that should be the cry of our heart. Lord, I receive your limitless power. Notice again, I remind you of what Elisha said. He said, where now is the Lord God of Elijah? Where's Elijah? God. That should be the cry of our heart. It shouldn't be, where are the miracles? Although I've often wondered, where are the miracles? The real cry is, where's Jesus? Is our hunger for Jesus is more pronounced than our desire for miracles. You see, when Jesus is sought, miracles are more frequent and they're a natural outcome of our desire for him. But here's the warning. Back in the early 1970s, some of you will remember this, there was a publishing company called Logos. Logos published all the charismatic books. And they were wonderful books. And one of the books they published was a book called anointed for burial, and it was about the time between the end of the Vietnam War and the um, overtaking of, of uh, Cambodia by Paul Pot, and of course Cambodia is right ne next to Vietnam. And so there was this period of time of, of absolute chaos, and when Paul Pot was trying to, and Paul Pot murdered anywhere between one and three million people, I've been to the killing fields in, in Cambodia, horrific, uh, just beyond belief. And, and, and and there was a missionary there by the name of Todd and Deanne Burke. And Todd and Deanne Burke did amazing things under the power and the anointing of God. 
And, and, and I, mean, I mean, just beyond, whole villages would burn down, but Christians' homes wouldn't burn. Mighty, mighty miracles of, of cripples walking and the blind seeing, and it was just one thing after another. It was, it, was, it was just overwhelming. But what was interesting is they write this wonderful book, but they had to come home because Pol Pot took over Cambodia, and so they come home, and I remember reading the book in the early 1980s in my office in Nova Scotia, and I'm reading this book, and I'm going, wow, this is amazing, and then it has an address at the end of the book, so I call up the address, I call up the phone number, it's there, and it's no longer in service. So then I realized that, 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 that the preacher who endorsed the book is a teacher at Christ for the Nations in, in, in Texas. And so I call him up and, and I say, Mr. Garlock, uh, uh, could you tell me about Todd Burke? You couldn't tell me how to reach Todd Burke? And, and, uh, and it was so exotic back then because I lived in Nova Scotia where we all said, hey. And, and he said, my brother, I don't know what your theology allows. And I felt like saying, take the quarters out of your mouth, sir, and talk. But anyway, he said, I don't know what your theology allows, but I'm afraid to tell you that Todd has gone bad. And he went on to explain to me, he said, Todd became so enamored with the miracles that he missed Jesus. And now he was a new age teacher leading a new age retreat somewhere in Arizona. There are consequences to having miracles without having the miracle maker himself. It's interesting that they finally began to recognize that the spirit of Elijah, Elijah is resting on Elisha. I want you to know that it's evident when a church is moving with the presence and the power of God on his life and a Christian is doing the same. How is that evident? Because there are miracles. But what's even more evident is they love Jesus while the miracles are taking place. The focus has to be placed on Christ. So here's what we say in conclusion. I guess this is where you say, hey, folks, he's not coming, that little bit of invitation. Okay, one, two, three, here's what we say. He's such a cute guy. The church and the believer focused on Jesus. We are the miracle people. But unlike Elisha, we don't have a double portion. We have a limitless portion. Isn't that amazing? You have the ability to have more of the anointing in your life than Elisha himself had, who had twice as much as Elijah. Did you just hear what I said? You have the ability in your life to have more of the anointing than Elisha had, who had twice what Elijah had. Yours is a limitless power. So, first thing we say is we need the limitless Jesus anointing so that Jesus, the great miracle command, can make us miracle men and women for the world around us in greater ways. Secondly, we can have the, this limitless Holy Spirit power if we're willing to become Jesus people we've been called to be and finally to have the spirit without limit is to be focused on him and we used to sing this song back in the uh, I don't know when it was maybe in the early 90s and it just said his name is like honey on my lips Jesus I love you and I say to myself is Jesus really honey on my lips when I'm faced with a difficult situation? Is he really honey on my lips when, when I'm, my amygdala is really taking control? 
I won't go into what the amygdala is, but part of your brain that really makes you act and react. Is Jesus really like honey on my lips when, when, I'm, when, when, when I'm on the 11th floor of a hotel and it's rocking back and forth? Well, thank God Jesus was on my lips that morning. Here's, here's my question. I want, I want the miraculous. I want the supernatural. I want the, I want the things that are beyond human, human comprehension or ability, but I want Jesus more. But what's interesting is when I get Jesus more, he gives me what? His spirit without limit. The byproduct of more of Jesus is more of his spirit. Oh, Jesus, you're like honey on my lips. How many say more of Jesus? More of Jesus in my life. Come on, more of Jesus. More of Jesus, more of his character, more of his ways, more of his, more of his great grace, more, more, more of a love for him and his word, more, more of Jesus, more of Jesus. Here's what we know. We know that miracle men and women today who are anointed by the Holy Spirit of God, they are Christocentric. So much of celebrity religion and I use those words carefully. I use both those words, celebrity and religion. It's so me and I and my centered. I submit to you that it seemed to me that John the Baptist says, I have to decrease if Jesus is going to increase. How many would just say to me, I want more of Jesus in my life. I want him. Come on, I want him. I want you right now to make a decision, something you're going to do this week, something specific. I'm going to, I'm going to get back into the Gospels, and I'm going to read the Gospels, what Jesus said. I'm going to read two or three chapters a day. Maybe it's going to alter my prayer time. Maybe I'm going to begin to say in the face of difficulty, I have a limitless power. I have a limitless portion of, of, of the Spirit of God in my life. I have a limitless portion of the Spirit of God in my life. And begin to say that in the face of difficulty. Come on. I want you to make a decision of something. Maybe the Spirit of God spoke to you about something I haven't even said. But there's something that He's calling you to do. Would you respond in obedience today and say, yes, that's me. Yes, that's me. How many will raise their hand with mine and say, yes, the Spirit of God has spoken to me about my faith level. I want my faith level to increase. I want my faith level to, 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 to grow. And I want to to be on the basis of who Jesus is not on the basis of a sign or a wonder because here's what happens when the signs and wonders stop do you stop believing so Jesus right now over all these hands that are raised I pray Lord as decisions are being made right now about how you're going to alter our lifestyle and our and our and our approach in these coming days and weeks I pray father we will be miracle men and women based on the fact that we have a limitless portion of the Spirit of God in our life and the Spirit of God permeates us as in John's theology and so Lord we just say permeate us and fill us with more of Jesus it's the Spirit that makes Jesus real to us on a daily basis and as we focus on Jesus we lay our hands on sick people, they recover. When we face our financial stresses, they, they come into alignment. When relationships are fractured and there's fissure, we say in Jesus' name, there'll be freedom. We thank you for it. Come on, let's thank him for what he's about to do in us. He's going to help us to focus on Jesus more. More of Jesus. 
And we're not like Elijah. He had a portion. Elisha, he had a double portion. We have a limitless portion of the presence of God in our life. And Jesus be glorified. His name is still like honey on our lips.